Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed In The Game podcast, where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality. Every week, we aim to touch, move, and inspire you to new possibilities for your life. My name is Sarah Maxwell, and is it really time for me to now intro my own show? Heck no! Bring in the Aussie talent to get it done. With their groundbreaking first season as The Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. Today, we continue the conversation with a boxing champion and his incredible wife. I have watched enough Rocky and Creed movies to know that the real story happens behind the scenes and away from the boxing ring. Jeff and Joanna Horn met in year eight and eventually married in 2014. Joanna studied business and sports management and can be found ringside for all of Jeff's fights. Even his epic 12-round win in 2017 over welterweight world champion, I was going to ask you how to pronounce this, but Danny Pacquiao? Manny, Manny Pacquiao. Oh, Manny Pacquiao. Well, that's wrong on many levels. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Manny. Um, But we don't care. Two thousands of Aussie screaming fans in Brisbane being crowned welterweight boxing champion threw Jeff into the limelight like never before. Nat introduced me to Jeff at the 2012 London Games, and I'll never forget this moment of him doing some form of like footwork, air punching, warm up thing. And I'm thinking, can arms really accelerate that fast? It was like a Bruce Lee moment for me. We were in like a parking lot in the ground floor. It was very strange, but he was a relative unknown on the scene and has his popularity has soared. His ego has not. His wife might have something else to say about it, but that's my impression. So I just love someone who, you know, the humility and understated character continues on no matter the success. So somehow he seems to always be the constant underdog that you can't help but pull for. I'm thinking maybe that's his strategy, but let's see. But then put yourself in the shoes of his high school sweetheart wife who has never missed a fight with two young kids at home who probably liked it a lot more when he was a PE teacher. Mm. You're watching the man you love, the father of your kids, constantly being beaten in the head. And there have been some bloody matchups for Jeff. So she has been quoted as saying, when I see him looking dazed up there, it's just soul destroying being on the other side of the ropes, not knowing exactly what he's feeling or if he's all right, because it's not just me now, it's our daughters, Isabel and Charlotte, who need him too. And she's even gone as far as saying, I love, I told this to Nat last night, how would you like it if you had to sit there and watch me get punched like that? And I'm like, I'm gonna like getting to know this woman. So (laughs) someone who says that knows what a lot of us are thinking. So as COVID-19 hits the sporting community hard, Jeff's April bout has been postponed. And so the pressure mounts to not only, you know, from promoters, but to get this fight underway. Um, But he also had a plan of 
retiring at age 35. So I cannot wait to chat to this unassuming couple while the child is asleep, the daughter's asleep. And I really want to get a 300 degree view of the entire life of a fighter. So, okay. I'm wondering who between the two of you is going to have more to say today. What do you reckon before we get started? I don't know. Depends the questions are directed at. Probably Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah. Jeff's going to talk more. Okay. All right, Jeff. Well, I'm going to make sure because the first question is to you straight up. And I'm really curious. I want you, from your perspective, to tell the how you met story because I sort of think it wasn't exactly love at first sight, was it? No, it wasn't. Um, look, That's we Joe's were... question. Magic. <laughs> This is for Joe. Oh, oh, I thought it was for him. I thought you said Jeff. You're two J's. Sorry, Joanna. Let's go with yeah. that. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah, so we were friends for most of our years at high school. He was probably more into my friend than me, and <laughs> you know that was. Well, I like the story already. Uh huh. <laughs> I didn't like him, you know. And then I don't know. Along came grade twelve, and everything changed, and it was just kind of like, oh. Who's this guy? You know, it was like... I think we saw each other out of uniform. which <laughs> kind of hit it off. It was like, hey. Yeah, I think we went to the that. beach. Yeah. <laughs> it is hard yeah. to get past the Aussie uniforms, not going to lie. So so schoolies really did it for you, Joe, Joanna? Yeah. yeah, it was just like, I don't know, first day of schoolies and, yeah. There was a party before that, though, where we actually got together that wasn't mm. quite schoolies. But we first officially started dating first day schoolies. Okay. Mm. So, so to any parents out there, any parties, schoolies, don't send your kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Everything was nice and innocent between you two. Nice friends. I don't even want to know. I didn't ask for details. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure people would like that though. But, you know, I really want to hear a little bit about what your dreams for your life were. So growing up as a little girl, you know, what were you into? What were the dreams or visions that you had for your life? So like when I was, I remember because when I was younger in primary school and stuff, I was really sporty and, you know, doing cross country and, you know, field events and track events and all that sort of stuff. And I used to do little athletics as well. And um, I remember in like my year, um, year seven, like yearbook, I'd written down that I wanted to go to the Olympics to compete in the walk. And I was just like, that's what I'm going to do. Well, you know, I never got there, but that's okay. I still still got there to go see him. But yeah. And then I know, I think I've always just known that I wanted to have, you know, a family of my own and settle down and yeah. Firstly, I am curious how somebody picks the walk. So how do you decide that that's what you're going to do at the Olympics? I don't know. I just loved it. Like when I was doing it, um, like at, at little athletics, I just, oh, I don't know. I was really good at it. And I guess it was just like, since you were good at it, you're kind of like, oh, I want to do this. Like I enjoyed doing it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't something where I felt like, oh, this is so hard. Like it just. So she was trying to choose the easiest thing to do. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> A little sledge there, Joe. <laughs> but your Olympic, I, I actually want to talk about this for a second because my dream growing up was also to go to the Olympics. And ironically, I ended up going to a lot of them, but not as a competitor. Mm. And so your story mimics mine in that this podcast is a lot about manifesting your dreams. So 
I like to make a little, make light of it in the sense that you gotta be really specific. Yeah. What your dream is. Cause you went, I went. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But there was a couple things missing. Like we had other ideas as kids. So, so I think that it's in a playful way. Um, Mm. It's very interesting how getting really specific about what you want matters. Yeah. Definitely. That's a lot to do with the goal setting and, and having those little little goals of how you're going to get to that last point. Because a lot of people do, as you say, go, oh, I want to be this. But then how do you get there? How, mm. how, what is that like? Mm. You don't actually... Okay, Jeff, tell us what it's like. So were you always a boxer? Did you do lots of sports growing up? And how did you choose like boxing as the one that you were going to create really specific you know, steps to accomplish? How did this whole boxing thing start? Look, uh, as from a young age, I was all soccer or, or football. Um, I always wanted to be a professional football player. It's very difficult, obviously, to become one of those. I probably didn't have the skills that needed for that. And I kind of figured that out at about, about age, I don't know, I think I was 17. I tried out for a side in Runcorn in their first grade title. I don't think I got picked. And I was like, well... This kind of destroys my dream because if I'm not picked at this age, I kind of need to find something else. And that's where I went to. Um, I started figuring out I was, I was half decent at uh, fighting or I had that fire in my belly at least. And I wanted to go um, learn how to protect myself and Joe uh, when I was out clubbing and things like that when we were younger. So what age did that start? The, the fighting part? Um, 18. Oh, late. Is that so, late? After school, yeah, it's quite late for a boxer to start. Usually they're doing it since they were a kid and I started fairly late, well, very late. I don't know any other boxers. I'm sure there is some. So, like you said, so you're into, like, soccer, footy, like you're doing other sports, soccer, and then you say to yourself, I've got the fire in the belly, but where did you have, did you have experience? Had you fought before? I think, I think that came from probably getting bullied in school a bit too. And I got into some fights um, during school and I didn't do too, too well in them. I got beat up and um, I was kind of very frustrated because I had that feeling about myself that I, I did have the strength. But I think emotionally I was kind of, as soon as I got hit or something, I was like, oh, like, like I'm done. I'm, I'm finished. You, you, beat, you kind of beat me. Um, so that was frustrating. But that's what I was kind of like, oh, I really need to learn how to utilize my strengths because I felt like I was strong, but mentally I wasn't. Oh, I like that. Okay. So a lot of people get bullied and they don't think about how to overcome that or how to do something about it. How do you feel like that little thing inside of you that used to fold mentally Mm -hmm. now rises up because you're kind of known for not folding mentally that's kind of yeah. your strength so how have you shifted that from let's call it a weakness to a strength yeah i guess it's i guess when you go to your lowest of lows which is what i did i, I had bad thoughts when i was a teenager and i feel like i hit rock bottom in like around grade 10 i was just like this sucks life sucks at this point and felt very weak and i was like well i need to kind of pick something i was good at and, and start going at it and that's when i started really getting into sport and trying really hard in soccer, even though that didn't, I didn't make it in that, but I was very good at athletics and I think I was athletics champion in grade 11 and grade 12. So I was, I was very focused on, on what I could do athletically rather than um, 
like with my grades at school, probably weren't the best. So um, that's what kind of made me steer towards uh, hoping to get a professional career in in something. And I was aiming, as I said, to for football, but it turned into boxing. Hmm. So, okay, so I'm getting a picture here. So school, you were challenged with the academic side of things. And so sport was your outlet to not yeah. feel so crappy, I guess. Yeah, well, I was good at it. So I wanted to do more sport than kind of sit in the classroom. And what about your relationship with Joanna and families? How did that shape into sport for you in terms of priorities? Uh, from the beginning, how did it shape? Or... Yeah, because I mean, obviously you guys got together and then as you start to see, okay, it's not soccer, it's going to be boxing. How does a relationship prioritize into that kind of career? Do you see them going hand in hand or did you feel like you were making choices or what was going on? Yeah, look, it wasn't um, it wasn't probably the easiest probably sport to take up because she was very worried about me through through my whole career, especially when I said I wanted to start fighting, which is a year year or so into the sport and uh, taking on these big names and Australian champions and things like that. Um, it was it was quite hard and it was it was hard for me too. But uh, look, we pushed through and. Uh, she would follow me and support me in that, and it was it was it started getting hard again when life started kind of flowing by, and we we're like, well, I need to start earning some more money. I need to start. Um, I need a full time job, or I need more money coming in in some way. And it was kind of like, well, now I'm close to getting crack at the Olympics and things like that. So that flowed on. But as soon as you hit pro, I was like, well, now we need. A source of money or else I'm what I can't remember how old it was like mid-20s yeah not yeah. really too much to my name and I need to kind of be fighting for something so that's why I really went pro as well yeah okay thank you for that so so Joe I want to talk about the stressors like the stress of having someone you love now the father of your kids getting punched day in and day out but just before that give me from your perspective the financial stress so you feel like as a, as a couple, you need to bring some more money in. He's thinking, I've got to go pro. I got to do this. What are you thinking in your head about that strategy he's got? I don't know. I know. Like when, you know, he was like studying to be a teacher and everything. And he was doing that. I was kind of like, I'm happy with you doing that. You know, bring home (laughs) that paycheck. That's fine. You know, but it was always in him that he wanted to, you know, do sport for a living, you know, and I think it's, it kind of just was, well, that's what he wanted to do. And, you know, I couldn't be the one to say no, you know, because I fear like, you know, I don't want to be the one holding him back. You know, if he, if he's the one that wants to do it, he's got to do it. She knew she couldn't say no anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But, but that's actually really, okay. So this conversation is interesting because we talked about the Olympic walker and then we talk about, I'm going to be a professional athlete. You thought it was soccer. But when you, when you really hear what your dream was, Jeff, about I want to, be, I want to do this for my career, like Joe's saying, it was in you. Yes. I think it's really interesting that it's kind of like it's okay that it was another sport. But then, Joe, you've got the stress of it. So how do you manage that? You don't want to shoot or kill his dream. Mm. How do you work with this? How do you cope? I don't know. To be be honest, I don't know. Like, I think it's just literally you just sort of take it fight by fight, you know, and it's kind of like, 
I just, you know, throughout the, the training of each prep for a fight, I just try and make sure that, you know, he's doing the best that he can to prepare for the fight, you know, like at the end of the day, I just have to trust it that it's, that it's going to be okay. You know what Nat asked me when I told her some of what you were sharing before we got on here? She's like, why does she go? Why does she go to the fights if she's so stressed? Oh, I think it'd be more stressful not being at the fights, you know, because fights, I can be there watching it, like watching. I'm like, I'm watching it so closely. I'm like not moving a muscle, you know. I'm, my eyes are just following him. and My whole body's tense. Uh, and I'd much rather be there and then see at the end of each round, I can see him in the corner and I see, you know, he's, you know, he's nodding his head or whatever, you know, but whereas if I wasn't there and I was hearing it on the phone or something, you know, someone telling me round by round, they're just telling me what they're seeing, you know, whereas I feel like I can see so much more. It's always a fearful of the unknown. We have it, uh, I guess, as parents as well. Um, I, I cannot imagine how hard it's going to be when we, we get older and our kids can kind of just start driving and they're going out and you're like, where are they going? What are they doing? Hopefully they're telling me the right thing. It's, it's a fear of the unknown, mm. not being there, be able to do anything about it. Good call. And I also, I, I totally get what you're saying there, Joanna, because I think when you're not there, the fear of the unknown, Jeff, what I think happens is we fill it in with like worst case scenarios, like our mind, we're like doomsday. Yes. So if Joe's not there, you can imagine what she's creating, like too many movies, I'm sure, in her head as well. Uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, Hospital death. Yeah. It would just be like going way worse. And then if you can, you know, like if you could hear, I don't know, someone's got your loudspeaker or something and you're hearing the crowd or something and you're not seeing what's going on. Oh my gosh. Who knows where your brain's going. So yeah, so much better to be there. So, Jeff, you brought up the kids. What do they know about what you do? Uh, Isabel will occasionally find a boxing glove lying around and she punches me with it. But yeah. I don't think, I don't, it sees me kind of shadow boxing and she'll kind of do yeah. the actions as well. But I don't think she knows really. She hasn't really watched me fight, I don't think. No, I, I don't think we've shown her a fight, me actually fighting. So, yeah. she sees me training and throwing punches and things like that. But normally, not at someone. Mm. So do you think you're going to make it? So I don't, okay, well, this is a future question about retirement, but if you by chance stop at 35, so do you think you'll make it without them ever watching you? And is that a goal? Do you not want them to see you fight? Uh, look, I, I don't really mind, I guess. It's probably not the best thing for an under six-year-old, even look under 12-year-old would probably be the best thing for them to watch. Because um, I don't think they, they'll understand it and they'll be like, why are you doing that? Mm. Like, I don't know. I just think they're too young to understand that what I'm doing is sport and for a living, not for just fun and games and punching mm. people. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be a kid. Why are you doing it? Why? For a job. <laughs> it's how yeah. I bring, how I bring, well, at the start was was more about like the accolades of it and um i really strove to be the best in something and i was able to get that world title of pacquiao but i guess now it's kind of a focus on setting up my family for the rest of their lives i'd like um to be able to do that for them and um i guess that's everyone's dream is to well most people's dream to 
um, set up their kids for their futures as well. But if you could, if I said to you, Jeff, I'm going to pay you the same thing to lay bricks every day, same thing. Yeah. And you're going to set up your family. Would it be the same for you? Well, no, cause I, I probably do enjoy, um, probably boxing more than laying bricks. But if you were to probably offer me something else that I might like doing, that's not as dangerous. Well then maybe, yeah, I might, I might swap over at this stage. I wouldn't ne never have done that if I was early in my career because I was really striving to be the best at, at boxing. Okay. And okay. So yeah, I've got so many questions about it. Um, <laughs> because I, I, I think that even going to like a winter Olympics, I remember thinking, man, these sports are a lot more death defying than beach volleyball. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. we're playing in a sand pit. So <laughs> is it, is it like a dissociation Jeff from, the risk? Do you just have to like tune everything out? How does it work? Look, you don't, you don't think about the risk. It's like what we do when we're, everyone goes in their car and drive. You don't really think about, okay, well, I'm jumping in the car today. I could possibly get into a car crash and die. No one's kind of thinking that when they get in the car and driving. So I'm just going to training and you're not really thinking, oh, I just got to hit in the head. Maybe that's affecting me in, in a way and something's going to happen in the future. So yeah, you're not really thinking about the future impacts of it. Well, that was a really good example, by the way. I think that everybody can get that. Even though we hear about when you step out of your house, you have just as much risk of dying. And yet we all just disassociate from getting, mm, getting caught. Yeah. yeah, really good. So Joe, does Jeff's demeanor change as a fight approaches? Like how does he get, what's he like? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> tell us, tell us. Oh my gosh. It's, it's like the, I would say maybe like the week or two out from a fight because in like the second last week, he's at his like very peak of training. And it's like, you don't even want to say one wrong word because you're going to get your head bitten off. And I have to remind myself, okay, it's okay. I know you don't really mean this. I'm not going to get hurt by what you're saying to me. And you know, I just have to take a deep breath and just go. I'm still pretty good. Oh, he, he was bad. Like back <laughs> when he was like training to be um, like in the welterweight. And so, and especially when he had to get down weight and he couldn't eat. I remember the night before weigh-in, I would have to, and like say we were, he was over in New Zealand, right? So he'd go train, do his sweat session. And I'd be up in the room, sitting at the window, eating my dinner, so I could get the, the smell of the food out of the room before he came back upstairs. Uh, and I was like, this is ridiculous. So. He's like a woman on a bad diet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad we're talking about the weight thing, you know, because again, in the movies, when we see people running with those special like vests on or garbage bags or whatever, is that what it's like, Jeff, to try to make weight? You do. You do have to do it, depending on how much you have to lose. Um, I, what my last couple of fights at middleweight, I didn't have to drop as much, so I didn't have to do that as bad. I still did a training session, but not with the plastic on. Uh, when I was making welterweight, I had to put the special plastic suits on, where it covers like to to your wrists, to 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 your ankles, and then you put socks over it so that all the heat kind of traps. And you wear it. like a beanie. Yeah, and I could put a beanie on, so all the heat in my body kind of stays there, and I'm working out. So, but yeah, how it, do you compete in that state? So I, you know, when I did a keto diet, 
and I one time and I was like, oh, I'm feeling it. You know, the carbs are coming out of me. So you've got this extreme diet. You've got, you're sweating it out. I think you're kind of dehydrated. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. So you're dehydrated and then you're supposed to fight your best. How does that work? Yeah. Well, see, in the pros, you get 24 hours to, to weigh in. In the amateurs, we never even got to, to be able to do that because you had to make weight in the morning and then fight that day. So it was, it was very, very hard as, as an amateur trying to make down that weight, but I was never sitting as heavy as I was now. Cause I was, I was probably 66, 67 as an amateur making 64 kilos, but now I'm a pro and fight probably sit around 74, 75 kilos and got to get down to sometimes 60, 66 and a half kilos or something. It's, it's, it's ridiculous how much you got to cut. So I you have, have to go, hold on from 74 to 66. Well, I probably wasn't that heavy when I was, when I was well to weight, probably more like 71, okay. five, five or so kilos. And that's just basically fluid drop. So the day before weighing, you're basically weighing almost 70, 71. And then I lose a couple of kilos that late in the afternoon, the day before, and then um, don't hardly eat anything for dinner, have a salad and then have a hot bath the next morning when I wake up. And the hot bath, basically, I'll try and strip like a good three kilos or something in that. And there we go. Hot. I'm on weight. You All normally... we need is a hot bath. What have we yeah. been missing, ladies? Sounds trusty. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But, it, yeah, it's wetting. Um, I guess if you, can trap, if you can trap yourself in heat. I used to do it in, like, saunas and things like that, but I found – the best way for my body to sweat is actually just in a hot bathtub and um, yeah, mm. just sweating it out in there. Yeah. Right. And you changed weight. Why did you do that? You went up, right? Uh, I went up. I got, I think the reason I went up is cause I got an offer later in the year for a world title, world title shot at that way. Okay. I, I think that was against a Japanese bloke, uh, Ryota Murado, his name was. And I fought Zarafa at that weight to kind of prepare myself for it, but that didn't go very well the first time. So I had to rematch him and then the world title shot was out the window. And that's absolutely, it was crazy. It was, it was a big cost in my career because that was like a $2 million payday that um, that weight fight was for. But I guess the guy that's probably... That's a lot of bricks you're going to have yeah. to pay to make that one up. <laughs> yes, but the guy could have probably possibly killed me because eh, he was that good probably at, at middleweight. He was one of the best in the world. And I would have probably been very much hurt if I didn't cop my lesson, uh, which was a knockout anyway against Marcus Rafa. Yeah, okay. How does the, all the politics go? As I was reading a little bit, trying to understand promoters and, oh, he's going to fight in this location, in this country, yeah. all this kind of jockeying and... Is it just crazy? Like, how do you, you two, I just can't even imagine you two jockeying that. Look, it's so hard to understand um, boxing really these days. There are four major sanctioning bodies. So four world titles kind of on offer for each weight division. So there's a weight division every three or four kilos. And then uh, there's little side ones kind of getting created as well, which confuses people. But it, I don't know. I think that just that in itself, what I've even explained is like, people are like, what? There's four different world 
champions in one weight division and there's multiple weight divisions. So who's the best? Like, it's so hard to find out. And that's why the UFC is doing so well because they've got one. They've only got the UFC champion. There's only one at the moment. So they know who the best is at what weight division. So boxing has got a lot of money in the sport, which is why they've been able to kind of split things up and trying to make spread it around a bit. But it just does make it hard for the normal everyday person wanting to follow boxing to understand. Got it. It's, yeah, absolutely true. And Joe, what would you say as, you know, when Jeff became a world champion, from your perspective, did he change? Like, how was the kind of recognition? Like you say, all of a sudden people, they just drop any kind of class that was. It's just Jeff and world champion. Did he change? Because to me, you know, Jeff, you've always just seemed the same. But Joe, from your perspective, what do you reckon? To be honest, no. Like, and I think a lot of people were kind of maybe like family and friends, but maybe a little bit worried that he was going to get like a big head and, you know, he was going to be like, oh, I'm so good, you know, but it really was, it really wasn't. And I guess we had, we've got such a good family and friends around us that, you know, they know how to sort of knock you back yeah, down. A few keep you in the line anyway. Yeah, you know, so... And, and like, we both would never want to kind of, you know, be like that anyway. I think we're so much in our own bubble that sometimes we forget what, like, the world sees him as. So when we go out shopping, you kind of sort of forget and then people are like, oh, oh, my God, you Jeff Horn? Can I get a photo? And you're kind of like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you just, we kind of sometimes just forget. Yeah. Does he try to get out of doing the dishes, you know, like right after he wins, does he think, you know, hello, honey, did you see what I just did? Like that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. every night. No. <laughs> that's not a world champion thing. That's just a Jeff Horn thing. No, no, no. I make job. sure, I make sure he does the dishes still and I take everything. He doesn't, yeah, doesn't get out of it. She cooks and I clean up. That's, okay. that's yeah. We have that. Yeah, we have that. I grew up that way too. It's funny how, when you, you just sort of like relay these patterns sometimes the way you grew yeah. up. See, but I do the slave work. If I was ever alone or Joe left me, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Ah, and so. I remind him that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the sign of a good relationship, I think. I call that <laughs> hypnosis, Joe. I do, I do that to Nat. I say, your life without me would be terrible and boring. Mm. And I said it for like 12 years. And then one day it just like came out of her so naturally. Yeah. <laughs> Like they were her words. I love it. So, Jeff, are you surprised at the career you've had so far? Yes, uh, I have. But I guess it's something when you're younger, you never, you never picture, like, the results, I guess, from, from things. Like, I, I never kind of, like, pictured what house I was going to be living in when I was older. I never pictured, like like what I'd be able to do, anything anything associated with any type of money or, or fame. I kind of didn't really think about it because it's not where I thought. When I was a kid, all I thought about, I wanted to be the best at something. And I wanted to be viewed like how, I guess, I'm viewing someone. But I don't actually picture how what, that, what living like that is going to be like. So like going to the shops and it, it's fine when you have a few, like one a few people saying hello to you, but if you've got like, I could imagine a superstar out there, or just before, just after the Pacquiao fight, when um, my name was very hot in the media, 
um, people just constantly, I, I felt like I couldn't go out. And some yeah. people look like that, that you're just constantly having people come out wanting to take photos. And as, as accommodating as I, as I am for taking photos with people, it, it could get too much. I could see how it could get too much for a lot of people. We've been watching the Netflix, The Last Dance with Michael Jordan. I don't know if you two are watching it. Are you not watching it? Oh, come on. It's so good. Um, especially for what you guys are doing. It's really, Nat and I were sad because it just came to an end. But, yeah. but he said one thing. He's like, people want to be like Mike, but they want to be like Michael Jordan for an hour. He's like, yeah. if people, nobody wants to do the work I do. Nobody wants the media attention. Like it's exhausting what you just described yeah. times a thousand. And I think it really shows that. And that's what I'm glad you two are showing is the full picture because that's what your, the dream that you had, Jeff was kind of based on half the picture. Really. It's like just the fight and winning and being the best. It's just the good parts. Like you're going, <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome winning. Imagine holding up a belt and being the best people saying you're the best at something, but you like, what if people like are constantly saying, thinking you're the best and they want to be seen with you or hear you? Mm-hmm. This is what people are like. Like mm. we're all like it. We all want to, if we saw someone walking down the street that was a famous person, you'd be like, hey, that's cool. Guess you get a photo with mm. them or say hello or something. Mm. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's such a good, a good thing to address because we always see it not from the point of view of the person you're approaching, yeah, exactly. Think about it from your own perspective and your autograph that you want to selfie. And so, Jeff, COVID nineteen has changed some things. You know, yes, you're meant to be in Townsville in the big new stadium um, against kind of a really. Nat was explaining it to me actually the story behind this young guy. I was like, isn't it some Aussie guy? And she's like, yeah, but he's the son of the. The greatest. Yeah, Costa Zoo. And I said, no, it's not him. His name's different at the end. She's like, no, you just can't spell it. I was like, okay. So she said it's spelled really strange. So so how are you dealing with change? Are you flexible? Are you adaptable? How are you going? Yeah, look, um, all through like kind of lockdown time that we had, I was doing still workouts at home. I went through that whole period without throwing a punch. But um, look, it was... It was good because I could kind of like ease, let kind of little injuries and niggles kind of go away. And I was still just focusing on my aerobic fitness and going on the bike or doing some weights and things like that. Okay, cool. So you're dealing with that pretty well. I hear Bubba in the background, Have yeah. we had, which is fine. This is life, right? So, um, and that's what I love about you guys even more is that with two kids, Joe, with two kids now, I know you said you're not having another baby until he's finished. Um, yeah. And so do you wish Jeff had another career? Let's work with retirement. And what can you imagine him doing? Oh, like Jeffrey says this to me all the time. He's like, would you take back, you know, knowing what you know now, would you take back me doing boxing? And I'm like, well, yeah, because so far everything's been fine, you know? So yeah, go for it. But at the same time, I've been a stress case for like 10 years, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, but like. But the question, the answer was she wouldn't take it back. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think I'd now, re- you could just go to an ashram in India 
just to decompress Joanna, all of that, all that stress that has been in your body <laughs> when he turns 35, you could just yeah. Yeah. breathe it out. Okay. So it's, it, look, it's a hard question because Jeff, do you think about it? What are you going to do after? Sometimes like I know I've got uh, the Amada program, the anti-bullying program that we're, we're kind of involved with, which I'll probably be, more heavily involved with and then maybe I'll do like a, a speaking circuit for a little while. So I feel like I've got like at least probably a year or two possibly after covered doing that. Um, but yeah, I don't know for a long term, what am I going to do? That is a very, very good question. And I guess I'm still kind of thinking, yeah, I don't know, but just let life do, do its course and I'll flow into something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. This must be what teenagers feel like coming out of like high school when everyone's like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah. What's your backup plan? So yeah. I guess my last kind of question is what's your physical and emotional come down after a fight? Like, do you have a process for dealing with that, Jeff? Uh, just kind of hanging out with family and, and friends and, I don't know, probably playing games. Eating chocolate. Eating food that I haven't been able to eat for ages. Just kind of having everything bad in that way. Um, yeah, just kind of laying back, chilling and not really doing too much. Going on a holiday, going to the beach or something. That's, um, they're probably the, the main things is just to kind of just completely relax and shut off and um enjoy life for a little while so currently and this is for both of you are you in a prep phase like because there's a bit of uncertainty like what are you in is he is he on that diet joe what's happening like oh, where's the state of affairs like a semi diet like he's not like full into it you know getting his meals prepared like he was but like half the week we do um hello fresh meals you know and mm -hmm. and that that's good and then the other half i do cooking and so you know it's somewhat okay and yeah i guess because yeah we're trying yeah. To, we're trying to be healthy ish yeah. like sometimes not always having like maybe once a week or or something having something cheat wise but uh we're kind of a little bit more relaxed than what it is completely strict mm. in a prep okay I think you should be sponsored by HelloFresh. I just got that. I, I said that and she said it on camera. I was like, hello, HelloFresh. <laughs> no, you should because there's some weird thing. At, not weird. There's something <laughs> at the moment. They're sponsoring. Um, oh, man. Who is it? It's some Aussie celebrity. And, the, and they're sponsored by HelloFresh. And they eat their meal with somebody else, another celebrity. So I was like, oh, Jeff could do that. Ooh. you should be eating with Nat you and Nat should be eating so you each eat at your house and then you can go live or something on it anyway hello fresh <laughs> you're welcome we just set that up for you yeah <laughs> I just want to thank you both because Nat said oh it's going to take too long interviewing them because there's so many questions and it's very true however what I love the most about you both is how you you go back and forth the ease that you have I can tell you've known each other a long freaking time tell me about it <laughs> oh my that was so beautiful jeff <laughs> you're gonna get in trouble when you get off um but you're as real as we knew you would be and 
Thank you so much for opening yourselves up because it's my deep belief that if we could just get people off of these pedestals that we put people on, we can all begin to live the dreams that we have for our life. Mm -hmm. Because really, you know, whether it was Joe going to be the Olympic walker or the dreams of having a family or Jeff going, I want to do sport for my life. I mean, you're just two people figuring mm -hmm. it out just like the rest of us. So thank you so much. That's all right. No worries. Thanks for the chat, Sarah. <laughs>We so appreciate you listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching In The Game Podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live video chats. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So... Open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to... Put your fingers on the keys and send us a review.